Chevrolet GMC studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. You're on the block for the second hour. We thank you once again for joining us on the block. I am E. Strick, Eric Strickland, my partner, Jake Bakovin. We thank you for joining us today here on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. And if you're watching or streaming on Spotify or YouTube, go ahead and become subscribers. Join us here on the block every night, Monday through Friday, from 4 to 6 Central Standard Time. We talk about all things sports with a focus on Nebraska athletics. We thank you again. So, Bach, a lot of stuff was happening last last night. Uh, we had talked about some particular matchups that we thought would be interesting. We found that to be the case uh, as we discussed what was going on down in the East with the game that was going, I'm sorry, not in the East, but in the, in the West, which was the uh, Texas Tech and Duke game. And it did not... Uh, uh, it did not make for bad TV, so to, so to speak. It was a very good game, as we thought. We thought that would be the game to watch last night, but we found out that uh, matchups all over the place, and to include Stricky's crystal ball action, where uh, I said, uh, if you watched this on the blog last night, that somebody had the opportunity of being clipped, and it was the Arkansas Gonzaga. We talked about those teams that play defense, and defense wins games. How do I know that? Because Arkansas is a tremendously awesome, active, and get-after-you dog defensive team. Clipped Gonzaga 74-68 to last night. While on the other side, out there in the south, we had Arizona and Houston matchup. And Arizona falls to Houston by 12, 72-60. And that is another game where you found a team missing some of its best scores yet alone put the defensive clamps on Arizona and found out they got a win last night. So, Bach, how did you view the games? What did you think about them? How did you feel about them? What, do you think the right matchups are here with Arkansas and Duke and Houston and Villanova? Um, or do you think there there's just some bad play and it just, you know, worked out the way it worked out? No, I, I, I like the matchup. I thought the better teams mostly won. Obviously, Arizona's been a heck of a team all year. Uh, the Pac-12 really did a good job last year in last year's tournament, kind of bolstering up um, the way that the nation really looks at them because they've been kind of looked at as kind of that conference out west you don't really pay too much attention to and not much reason to. Um, but, you know, along with UCLA's run to the Final Four, a lot of teams did well, and Arizona just uh, kind of came out of nowhere to have a, a great season this year. And so uh, it was it was fun to watch them, but ultimately uh, I, I do think the better teams won here um and specifically in that matchup uh you know I, I guess going back to the the Arkansas game uh I was trying to trying to run it down here yeah the Gonzaga matchup is it was it was kind of fun to watch because they just had the the upper hand over Gonzaga um throughout a, a large majority of that game but Drew Timmy I'm gonna miss watching that guy I mean he's, he's a walking bucket at the college level they would try to force it into him um but ultimately it was fun because sometimes we like you said it, it's it, sometimes it comes down to defense uh and Tony just made two huge swats especially the one there at the end uh I think it was on Timmy um and in that really just 
made it so that there was no way Gonzaga was going to get back. They struggled all game long with their, with their shooting. I was very impressed with Nimhart throughout this tournament, throughout this year. He really struggled. They couldn't get couldn't, couldn't get the three-point going. Timmy was yeah. fine. Uh, Holmgren is kind of a developmental piece, but he's do, he did well. Fouled out early. That could have played into it as well. Um, but uh, good, good on Arkansas and, and good on um, – Eric Musselman, right, Strick? Or, or maybe not. Maybe not Musselman so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that last night on on how I used to uh, – some of my friends, they didn't know that story, and I told it to them when we were watching the game last night. But one of the other parts of it too, man, is, is Gonzaga is a trim, tremendously high assist volume team in games, and you didn't see that last night. They didn't get it from them hard. They didn't get it from anywhere where they were assisting on on balls. I think Arkansas did a great job of of not allowing Timmy to get into his stuff, even though he had a great game. Now I'm not I'm not nullifying that, but when it really counted, they did some things defensively that forced him into some some really tough situations. And they had open looks; they just were not able to knock it down. And just they they you know when you saw swarm type of defense from Arkansas, I mean everybody was in the paint, everybody was active. There was communication. There was no pass that wasn't challenged. There was no shot that wasn't challenged. And that that in the college game and in any game. If you're challenging shots, you're gonna get you're gonna you're gonna uh, be able to force more misses than you do makes. That's just the numbers, and that's what happened on last night. Um, you know, kudos to uh, Eric Musselman. I should probably text him and just let him know, hey man, uh, great job. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So um, you know, he 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 might uh, say, oh, strict thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did, were you on the you were on the, after the, after that the whole uh, the problem? Once you finally acknowledged him, I suppose were, were you on speaking terms? He, yeah, we were we were cool every time. You know, whenever I saw him, I you know I would acknowledge him at that point. But yeah, yeah. he did leave he did leave a bad taste in my mouth on that one. But that was good. <laughs> but that's the thing we talked about. Those are the things that that motivates you, right? Yeah. And I think that's what you find, you know, in these tournaments. I mean, there's a lot of things that some of these other teams can motivate themselves. I.e., Michigan. Everybody was talking down to them. Everybody was tweeting about how garbage they are. Everybody was saying they would get bounced out, you know, and trounced. Let's let's say not bounced out, trounced out. And uh, you heard Dickinson, you know, has something to say about that. But, you know, listen, Villanova is traditionally both a good offensive team, solid. They're going to execute. They're going to run their offense. Jay Wright gets them into stuff that that fits what they have on their team. And uh, just just they defended the heck out of Michigan and they made it very tough on Hunter Dickinson inside. So it was not an easy task for them. So great matchups last night. So now moving on into the Elite Eight, we have Arkansas is going to face Duke on Saturday, uh, three, uh, 326 on Saturday at 849 p.m. on TBS. And on the other side on Saturday um, at 609 p.m. on TBS, Houston will face Villanova. Two great matchups there, both in the South and in the West. Moving on to the upcoming games of the night. Starting at uh, let's see, seven twenty nine or seven oh nine on CBS, we have the game that I'm interested in: uh, the the Cinderella St. Pete Peacocks. Everybody and their moms talking about the Peacocks and doing the Peacock dance, <laughs> and uh, they have a chance to, to to continue their Cinderella run against Purdue at seven oh nine tonight on CBS. Uh, how do you view that one? 
with the matchup situation, not a very big team, but a very good defensive team, and they're just active and they run great offense. Yeah, they've just they just played really well together, and and I you know I just kind of interested in the historical significance of tonight. No 15 seed, you know that we've kind of had fun with the with the old Dominions and uh, you know the Dunk City before that, Florida Gulf Coast, um, but they have they haven't made it to the Elite Eight. So as far as the the most special um, Cinderella run, um, I guess you could argue based on you know maybe Villanova back in the day with their championship in the 80s with uh, Massimino and those guys, or, you know, maybe you could uh, go to, you know, different teams making Final Fours. I mean, there, there's still, there's VCU or, or, you know, George Mason. There's been some great runs, but as far as this low of a seeding, this could be the best ever. So when any chance, anytime you get a chance to watch history, uh, it definitely is in play. I was kind of reading about them, how, um, you know, there's, there's like <laughs> small uh, budget type of teams, and then there is St. Peter's. I mean, they've had problems uh, with flooding in their basketball offices. They, they they don't pay, or at least for a majority of their basketball program, uh, every team gets three assistants. They've only paid two of those assistants. The other one's doing it on a volunteer basis. So, I mean, they've they've had to fight through a lot to get here. Um, so it's hard to question them, and they play good team ball. But ultimately, I, I think this is one of those times where you just don't have a Jaden Ivey, right? And you don't have the height that Purdue has. Purdue is a team that it's, it's hard to trust Matt Painter in the tournament. I know, you know, Strick, you, you're picking him to go far. I would just based on their makeup. But, it, but you know, Matt Painter just hasn't had too much success in the tournament. He can kind of change that today. This would be a second Elite Eight that he's got to if he gets the win. Um, I think that they certainly have um, the, the matchup that, that you like there. And then again, I think Jaden Ivey's the, the most explosive player in the tournament um, has made significant strides since his freshman year to to probably be you know right there as a top three pick for this NBA draft um, I th- if, if you know I said this the other day <laughs> about uh, about the Gonzaga guard so maybe this is a maybe a curse that I'm bringing down um, but now that he now that Nimard's out I do feel like Jaden Ivey would be the guy that I'd want the ball in his hands uh, in this tournament left uh, if I needed a bucket. So I, I'm going to have to side with Purdue, and I'll cheer for Purdue. I like this Cinderella story, but I'd like to see the Big Ten, uh, you know, kind of stick up for themselves a little bit. A lot of people feel, despite the fact that Purdue didn't win the regular season or the tourney title, um, that they were the best team overall in the Big Ten, and I think a, a Final Four run could certainly do that for them, at least get into the Elite Eight to match their all-time uh, best center painter so far. Yeah, I, I think this is a chance to break the mold. I mean, or or to break the glass ceiling that has been capped off over Purdue for such a time now, especially in the Pena era. So uh, I, I actually, you know, you know how I feel about it. I actually got Purdue uh, going on and moving on. I think they match up well against either of those teams. I think UCLA is probably uh, they they're very athletic. Um, uh, they run you know a lot of different pro type sets and 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 they're very creative in their offense, but also. I think, um, you know, UCLA is, is just – they. I mean, not UCLA, but North Carolina is just playing some great ball as of late. And I think matchup-wise, I think UCLA – I mean, uh, North Carolina matches up a little bit better against a Purdue type of team if both of those teams are to move on. Uh, at this point, how do you view the, the North Carolina matchup that's going to be uh, happening also tonight at 9.30 on CBS against UCLA? Well, I think it's fascinating to see how – if UCLA does do – uh, what what Baylor did to get back into that game? Full court press, you know. North Carolina really struggled with that. They struggled, and uh, yeah. and it was without Brady Manick. And once he left the game with that elbow, he's going to be back uh, when he's on. He's tough to guard. He's one of those stretch fives that's tough enough to get you know any bucket he wants to in the paint, but also can hit that three. Um, so he's fascinating and, and really good. Um, but that game switched when he went out, and I don't think that it made, you know he's not 
their ball handler, or their primary ball handler. So that wasn't the change. If I was UCLA watching that game, I'd come out, you know, Preston, North Carolina, make them prove that they can uh, beat that press uh, before you make any changes. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of why I'm leaning toward UCLA, along with the fact that they've they've made that Final Four round, uh, Final Four run last year uh, with Tiger Campbell and those guys. They're, they're, they brought everybody back, you know. Uh, I know they might be dealing with a little bit of an injury issue there, but uh, I feel like UCLA uh, probably has a, a slight advantage in this one, as, more so than anything, is just because I, I was a little bit worried. I was cheering for Carolina against Baylor because I predicted that. Not that, you know, you make a lot of predictions in the tournament, but either way, um, watching that 25-point lead dissipate, uh, just as cool as it was to watch him to get there, uh, leaves me feeling like UCLA's got at least a game plan to go in there and, and knock off the Tar Heels. I mean, numbers numbers across the board, I mean, they, they match up very similarly, especially in win-loss win records are pretty similar. Their conference wins are, are, are identical. Then you find that when you get down into it, I mean, each have uh, faced almost seven to nine top 25 teams with UCLA having a 5-4 edge in that and th- three to four against U- uh, UNC. But also, I think UCLA's played the the hardest the harder schedule. Their strength of schedule is at 13, whereas UNC's at 57. And here's where I think it turns around. UCLA plays good D. They they get after you, and that's where I think what you just said and what you were speaking of. I think they have to get after this UNC team. They've got to make it really uncomfortable for them. They've got to make it to a point to where it's uneasy. And being that they don't really have great point guard play or depth, and uh, they do some things well. They're going to pound the boards. They're going to get after you. As far as on the offensive side, they're going to run their sets and execute. But on the other side, I just don't think they play as good a D as UCLA. They're holding their opponents to 64 points a game, scoring just as many points as UNC, whereas they don't play as good a D as UNC, and they've had flashes of it. So it's going to be depending on what they do tonight as far as getting after this this very active UCLA team. So it's a good matchup tonight. It's going to be fun to watch. They're on uh, CBS. Moving on, we go to the other side in the Midwest. We've got Kansas against Providence, who came alive after losing in their conference tournament, finding themselves now in the Elite Eight, facing a Kansas team that's very beatable. They're going to play tonight at 729 on TBS. How do, how do you view this matchup, Bob? Well, I, you know, Providence is, you know, one of the best teams in the Big East. They did win the regular season title, so you got to give them credit for that. Fell off a little bit down the stretch, um, and it, it's great for that crew to get to the Sweet 16. Don't get me wrong. I know they're, they're pretty excited about that, um, but uh, they beat a 12 and a 13 seed to get here. And, you know, you can't you, know, you have to play who's in front mm-hmm. of you. So I'm not not saying that they really, uh, you know, could choose that. And, and, but the path is just easier or at least implied easier based on the seedings um, for a certain team. So I'm still kind of in prove it mode for Providence, even this late in the season. I think Kansas is a program with Bill Self. He's won over 80 percent of his games there with the Jayhawks um, and a name that, that I don't bring up. I keep, you know, kind of pointing out Jay Wright. But uh, the same thing with Bill Self. Once Coach K retires, maybe Bill Self, if he he can win another title and at least have two could be that next kind of uh, mainstay name that we see. Of course, there are also the uh, allegations and in, in, in NCAA trouble that just kind of Kansas is somehow available, you know, able to avoid uh, and, and hasn't really come down to anything. But there, that's also interesting. But for this game specifically, um, I, I think that Kansas has, you know, the, the two best shooters on the floor. Uh, they're All-American. Uh, Agbaji is one of them. Christian Braun, pretty athletic. He can shoot pretty well. I like the Jayhawks uh, and, and pretty comfortable in this one over the Friars. Oh, good, good. Okay, we're going to be watching that one at 729 tonight. 
And uh, the last one of the night, not the last game of the night, but it actually is. <laughs> the final game of the night is uh, 9.59 p.m. It's the 11 seed against the 10 seed Miami Hurricanes against the Iowa State um, uh, Iowa State Cyclones. So now, I almost said Hawkeyes. That's crazy, right? <laughs> um, so now, this game, this matchup, I think it's a toss-up. Anything can happen in this game. It's just whoever's going to shoot the ball well, whoever's going to uh, execute and finish and do all the little things. It's going to be a scrapper. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is one of the one of the stories of the year uh, is what, uh, you know, TJ Otzelberg has been able to do there in Ames. Remember, this is a two-win program from last year. They've, they've had success over the years, but last year you completely had to flip it. You wonder if there was, you know, more talent on that team um, than and maybe they just lost the team toward the end last season. But either way, Cyclones getting to the Sweet 16, a special story. I got to be honest. Watching their game against Wisconsin was a game that I said at the time, uh, somebody's got to win this game. You know, there's, there's those games that you watch where you go, like, both these teams deserve to win, and I just, you know, it's, it's hard that one team has to go home. That Wisconsin-Iowa State game, and, and granted, Wisconsin was beat up. They didn't have uh, their point guard, and, and, you know, who knows if Johnny Davis is 100% at this time. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'm sticking up for the Big Ten a little bit there, but that was a rock fight. <laughs> and so, after watching that game, I don't necessarily think that Iowa State uh, has what it takes when Miami uh, looked very impressive with what they were able to do. Jim Laranagal so I give him a little bit of, a, of credit. He's obviously had his runs in the tournament before. So I like the Hurricanes. I think they have a little bit more athleticism, and, and that's going to show uh, in a big way tonight, too. I think, you know, I already predicted Kansas with a pretty sizable victory. I think Miami might get one, too, here against the Cyclones. Some great games that are going to be happening tonight. It's going to determine who's going on to the Elite Eight that will set the, st- set the tone, basically, for the uh, Final Four that will be coming up soon as well. We're going to take a break right now. We're going to come back, and there's a lot of rumor noise going on out there. A lot of stuff happening down in Tampa. We don't know if it's true. We don't know what's false. It could be some fake news. We'll be back right after this. Determined. On the block. 